0: Welcome to PBF Public Radio Podcast number 70 on your radio-free America. Not sure uh, how many people caught. I did a, about a 10-minute episode yesterday, and it was in respect to Glenn Greenwald resigning from The Intercept, the online newspaper, magazine, journal he helped to start which you know I went into it's very significant the <laughs> the folks over there did respond and uh, basically they tried to say at the intercept that he was just throwing a fit now he did appear on tucker carlson last night and he provided his perspective as to why he was doing what he did, why he left. And I think it's pretty obvious, you know, from previous things that I've posted and uh, really said as well that I felt very strongly in favor of him leaving it. I support the guy. Um, It just, it, it reinforces everything that we have seen. Now, yesterday... Uh, From Sinclair Media, James Rosen confirmed that the DOJ-FBI is, in fact, investigating um, Hunter Biden for money laundering. And, you know, one of the things you're going to be hearing from people repeatedly is, oh, I didn't see Hunter on the ballot. Well, yeah, you didn't see Hunter on the ballot. He used his father's position. His father would step in at times in specific locations to help out. Then they're going to, again, bring up ideas that, well, we don't see any money that went to Joe. No, but we see Cooney, we see uh, Bobolinsky, we see many others saying that the big guy was Joe Biden. And Joe Biden met with Bobolinsky in Los Angeles. I think the important thing is that with what Sinclair did is this is starting to create a situation where the story is going to be percolating up. I don't think that we're going to see some strong, solid um, reporting coming out of the media until after the election, if ever, because as we're seeing with The Intercept, what they've done. It's, uh, it's just, it's a joke. Um, Greenwald was really solid on there and he echoes many of the things that we have spoken about. And the real problem that we're seeing right now is you've got to realize that something that I've mentioned before, Democrats are working with the intelligence community the intelligence community, the CIA, all these different pieces. What they did what they've done, whether it's Michael Hayden, whether it's James Clapper, whether it's Brennan. And again, re- realize, these people put out the, the response or whatever. Like, this is what we've seen from Russia and other places. That, that is their best response. Is This reminds us of what the Soviets would do Anyway, um, he outlines, too, that when CIA and all of these intelligence structures and and agencies, the structure they put in place during the Cold War, when this was put into place, this was put into place and was not supposed to be run in our country. Well, it is being run in our country. And it has been run in our country. I think... uh, kind of hard to say here um uh, it's a shame it is absurd it is disgusting what we're seeing done in this country and I think if you go back to the podcast that Nat G and I did talking about the color revolution you'll see how these pieces really do come together that was episode 58 that he and I did uh it was about a couple weeks ago um And many of the things that we're seeing as it relates to that are are a bit coming together at times, you know. Uh, The media is just bought and sold. Uh, they They want their access to these people, but at the same time, they're activists for these people. They're activists for these causes. These people didn't go into journalism with the goal of actually teaching you. They are a piece of the clergy of the left. And as a piece of the clergy of the left, they will not betray the left. Betraying the left, betraying the, what do you call it, the squad, and everything that's associated with that, and the Bernie Sanders types, would be to report this, because once that wall gets broken, then there's going to be problems. And orange man bad. And we must get rid of orange man bad. Don't know how many times... I have repeated that, but this is what is driving them. And I think, let, let's, let's just jump into a few election pieces here real quick. Um, Trafalgar Group, which did a really good job reporting in 2016, has data which shows that in many, many locations, whether it's Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Michigan, Um, Florida, North Carolina, has Trump pulling ahead. I haven't seen any of their data on Texas, which is something, if I have time, I'm going to go into a little bit later because of the, we're seeing what they're calling a tie. But this, this is interesting that we're seeing so many places with Trump pulling ahead. Now, my question is, What is causing this? I found an email from 2016 from John Podesta, and when his email was hacked, that talks about sort of the plot, the plan, you know, how early on you oversample, and he's even telling people how to oversample in specific areas. And it makes me wonder, too, about how much of these early polls that we were seeing. So when he talks about early on, let let me expand this a little bit. He talked about what you do is you go out there, you oversample specific locations so you can get the result you need. You go to specific neighborhoods perhaps, or you call specific people, you know, areas, things like that. You make sure that you over-represent so that you make the polls very divergent. You get the answers you want, you get the people you want supporting the people who you are attempting to get into office. Then as it gets towards election, you then you resample, you start getting the proper sample size. And we've seen this many times. If you look at the data on many of the polls, they are doing a very poor job of polling. And I've always been like, until I read that email, I was like, what are they doing? I mean, I knew there was, the data was skewed, but it it looks like it's intentionally skewed, like more than I even thought that it was intentionally skewed, specifically targeting to create that situation and I think pulling is not an exact science there are a lot of variables there are a lot of biases and pulling is a business and as a business you want to make the most money with the least cost and realize, too, that there's pressure on these people to please their bosses in the mainstream media. And how many of those people? I've, I've worked with people in the past who are, you know, statisticians and just various people. They fall on to the left side of the spectrum. Now, again, it's one of those things where chicken or egg, right, when they're in academia and they're learning these things. You know, uh, I remember this one woman I worked with from Cornell. and Oh, man, she was just the most ardent um, pusher of basically every left-wing agenda you could have out there. And it's amazing when I look back on it, often when I think about a lot of the polling that occurs, I remember her, and I remember how militant she was in many of these ideas. And, you know, she'd she'd gone to Cornell, and we know how overrun many of our Ivy League schools are with these types of people. Now, um, as it comes to elections, we know that Wheezy... Little Wayne met with Trump yesterday and he discussed the president's platinum plan, which to me, it just seems like it's a move. It's a chess piece, right? They're trying to fight against the Marxism of BLM and they're trying to create something that's a little bit different. And we also know that Ice Cube has as well. And uh, Little Wayne posted a photo of himself with Trump in front of flags. Just had a great meeting with real Donald Trump POTUS. Besides what he's doing so far with the criminal reform, the Platinum Plan is going to give the community real ownership. He listened to what we had to say today and assured he will get it done. He will and can get it done. That's Hughes. You had a little pump coming out for Trump. You've got a lot of these people coming out there and... This right here is doing a hell of a lot more for the black community in reaching out to people and getting them to vote in favor of Trump than anything else. Somebody with this level of just uh, in in the black community, even the rap community, because we hear a lot of times from people like uh, Tim Pool and other people like that, how There's people, whether they're professional skateboarders or they're uh, musicians or they're actors and such, and how much they really do support Trump, but they don't want to lose their position. Um, I think it's a short-sighted approach, but I I understand. And nevertheless, look, this is huge. We know that um, Rasmussen... Which, it's crazy. Rasmussen came out with a poll. Number one, there was one poll that showed there's a 46% support for Trump. That's not voting for Trump. However, the poll they came out with, Rasmussen, with people supporting Trump, was about 31%. Now, in 2016, Rasmussen was on point. They did a great job. 2018, they fell short they predicted that the 2018 election was going to be a lot closer. Now, I realize, too, there were a lot of people who weren't pleased on the Trump side of the fence, and they did not come out to vote. Early data that I've seen coming out of places like Florida and uh, North Carolina is showing that these people are coming out now. Now, I've heard people... Suggest that perhaps California is in play. I just don't see how that's going to happen. I don't see how that's going to happen with the with the demographics of people that are in California. I mean, yeah, it would be great to see um, that happen, but I I don't see it happening. Unless lots and lots and lots and lots of registered Democrats are going to flip their side. Um, I've got some data here, and this comes from, I think it's called On Target. Um, so, what we're seeing in 2016 at this point, and this comes from data from On Target. Um, 59% of Democrats uh, were okay. 59% of the early votes at this point in 2016 were Democrat. 35.6% were Republican. In 2018, 58.7% were Democrat, while 36.6% were Republican. In 2020, it's, the split is 67% to 27%. Again, it's entirely possible. I don't know how in the realm of reality it is, but it's entirely possible that some of these people have switched. I just don't see it happening. Yes, it would be great to see, but leftism is a religion. Because it's a religion, I don't see these people flipping that much. In North Carolina, this target smart data is showing the Democrat lead at 2.4%. In 2016, that was 10.3%. Okay? That that just to show how much different this is. And then I saw somebody break down in uh, Sumter County in Florida as a case study. So, the idea is that as Florida goes, the country goes. And that goes back to 1996, I believe, is the data that shows um, what, what is feeding this. So, Trump won 69 to 30 in Sumter County in 1916. Right now, the Republicans are 1.7 points already, and that's with two days more of early voting. And remember that Trump won that by that. Republicans traditionally do not early vote. This year has made things a bit different, and, and I mean that in comparison to Democrats. They don't early vote as much however these opportunities exist and hey guys look if you're thinking about going out Tuesday but you've got an opportunity to early vote now I would suggest you do it just because save yourself time and who knows man (laughs) maybe your car won't work on Tuesday who knows but point being Right now, Trump is 1.7 points ahead of that, so he's already over 70%. Most likely, he will as well. If that's the case, and with all the other data I'm seeing from Florida, he's going to take Florida. It's going to be interesting to see how things like Philadelphia play out because you've had the, the riots and everything else that have gone on in Pennsylvania and uh, Philadelphia, and you combine that with Joe Biden's Um, embracing of the new deal, going to get rid of fracking, but then lying about it later. (laughs) People have seen that. It's making an impact. So we shall see. Um, There's some leaked documents that show leftists fear Trump may win in Minnesota and plot post-election mass mobilization. This comes from Breitbart, uh, Joshua Klein. A leaked confidential document obtained by Breitbart News reveals that a coalition of left-wing groups in Minnesota fearing a possible Trump win is preparing for post-election mass unrest. Think about that, too. I had mentioned this yesterday, but it goes all the way back to 1972. 1972. When um, Nixon won, the last time that a Republican has won Minnesota. But that's where everything started this year. That's where all the George Floyd stuff happened. Neighborhoods have been decimated in there. People can't get to their food easily because of what has happened. Led by Take Action Minnesota described as a hub for Minnesota's progressive movement, the group warn of a need for mass mobilization and recently leaked highly confidential documents circulating among the group's leadership and intended as a prep guide for the coming weeks. We believe that regardless of the strength of Minnesota election system, mass mobilization will and must happen in Minnesota to defend democracy. Remember, mass mobilization is your Black Bloc, Antifa, Blamtifa, all these groups, these neo-fascist movements that describe themselves as Marxist but really do do work as fascism. They are mobilizing. Their mobilization is... It's not going to be pretty. Uh, Prepare yourselves. We expect that this mass mobilization will create space and opportunity for unrest, primarily in Minneapolis. In this context, the situation could rapidly spiral beyond control, depending on the nature of the unrest and states' reaction. In an effort to shift responsibility for violence to others, the group point to the right as well as Minnesota Police Department for the possibility of inciting and enabling violence for which they are prepared. And again, you know, this is a, a narrative that they have used all summer long. It's the right that it, it's the right wing, right wing violence, right? Boogaloo boy leftist who say they support these people and go out, are not right-wing, okay? Um, And when you see all of the looting and burning and things like that, it's not not right-wing. The possibility of right-wing violence is real, as is the possibility of MPD inciting or enabling violence, the document warns. Adding that MPD is either disengaged or instigating tension during and since the uprising immediately following the murder of George Floyd. Take Action Minnesota was at the forefront of the protest movement sparked by the killing of George Floyd, demanding that MPD be dismantled and helping spark the nationwide demands to defund the police. Following pressure from the group, a veto proof majority of the city council pledged to dismantle the police department while promising to create a new system of public safety in the city that is underway. And as that is underway, violence has skyrocketed. In all these places, with this defunding, it's skyrocketing. In the event of President Trump's re-election, the document calls for strategic disruption through mobilizing masses to take to the streets. Take Action Minnesota, Minnesota, a nonprofit founded in 2006, is a coalition of 20 different organizations, including labor unions and advocacy groups for left-wing causes, and claims hundreds of thousands of members ready to be activated. It describes itself as a multiracial people's organization building power for a government and economy that works for all of us. Oh, here's a name you might have heard of. The coalition is officially affiliated with far left national organizations People's Action and CPD Action, both funded by the George, uh, both groups funded by the George Soros backed Democracy Alliance aimed at resisting. Oh, look, George, George Soros again. Yeah, George Soros again, everywhere. All of these things. That's how this fascism works, being funded by these people like this. So... I had mentioned earlier some things about Texas, and this is one of those pieces that's just really interesting. I am trying to, I have not found really good polls. Um, Right now, what the, a poll released Thursday by UMass Lowell Center for Public Opinion, showed Trump and Biden statistically tied in the state, with Trump garnering 48% and Biden garnering 47% support. And Trump won Texas by, in 2016 by 800,000 votes. Um, Kamala is traveling to Fort Worth, McAllen, and Houston in a push to flip the red state. Four days before the election, this comes from the Hill. I, she's gonna be there with Julian Castro and Bethel O'Rourke. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, look, the Ted Cruz or O'Rourke came in very different numbers. Biden's campaign is eyeing Houston's Harris County for a potential victory, which has become more Democrat in recent years and already has cast 1.1 million early votes. I really wonder how re- the, how realistic is this? How realistic is it that this might happen? I'm seeing this data like this, and again, you know, i, I pointed out some of these poll things earlier. Man. If you live down in Texas and you're listening to this podcast, make sure you everybody you know is voting. If if that happens, it's going to be nuts. And it's going to create problems for Trump really to win. And that's why they're going after it, guys. It's funny, though, that is uh, going down there, right? Isn't it funny that she's going down there? Why isn't the presidential candidate going down there? Oh, that's right. Because he really, one, he'll probably ruin it, and two, he's not going to be the president. Have you guys figured that out yet? And Elizabeth Warren apparently is making a case to be Biden's treasury secretary. Warren's move could set up a marquee fight over what will be one of the most consequential cabinet roles in a Biden administration. This comes from Politico. Elizabeth Warren wants to be Biden's treasury secretary and will make her case for it if he wins next week, according to three Democrat officials who have spoken with her inner circle. She wants it. Warren's move sets up the marquee fight between the party's left and its center, what will be one of the most consequential cabinet roles in the next administration. So that would be fun, having Liawatha as our Treasury Secretary. I guess that will be the Robert Reich style. Now let's talk a few more things about the election. There have been many rulings come down from the Supreme Court that I don't know how many of you have been paying attention, but rulings allowing, it, it's been crazy and maybe I should have matrixed this out, but Minnesota, back to the previous thing I've discussed, had a ruling that has ordered them to separate absentee ballots that arrive after election ta- election day from others in case they are invalidated later there is so much maneuvering this law that's going on and I think that you know in many of the things I've discussed in this podcast you want to create a very you want to make the election not look legitimate and how do you do that You set up many different ways for people to dispute the election. And so different states are going to have different things going on. And I think one thing that's really important to think about here, we saw this happen in 2018 where districts were flipped in California through ballot harvesting. The ballot harvesting where they could go in and take people's, ballots and deliver them. Individuals can do this. On election night, they're going to have an idea of what the numbers are sitting at in many of these areas. What they're going to be able to do is suddenly find ballots. Watch, 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 watch. There will be trucks that suddenly appear, vans that suddenly appear. Cars, trunks, offices somewhere. Oh, look, look, we found this ballot, all these ballots here. It's going to be some interesting times ahead. I don't want to overwhelm anybody with my concerns on this, but this is definitely one of those things that I think we should keep an eye on. All right. This is Romeo 1 Oscar, and I am out.